Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday, the 29th of August, 2009. You know, the other day I was thinking about gun laws, all the gun laws that we have and all the rules and regulations. And in general, we in the gun culture say that most of those are bad, they're a bad idea. But I was asking myself, well, are any of them any good? Are there some that actually do some good? Or are most of them just kind of feel-good things? And so that's what I want to look at today and look at some of the philosophies that some people have on, on both sides. And we'll start off today talking about one of the things that I hear a lot. And that has to do with the idea that somebody should be required to attend or have a certificate uh, of attendance of uh, that they've done a safety course or that they've done a you know hunter safety or an introduction to firearms before that they would be allowed to purchase a firearm. Not that you're going to have to take this to do a... Uh, to be able to carry concealed. And with that, you know, when I did my concealed carry course, they had us fire on the range, and I understand that the reason that they're doing that is so that you can at least demonstrate that as a person who is going to go out in society and carry a gun on a regular basis, you have at least some proficiency with the weapon. And because we're allowing you to carry it concealed, there can be some checks and balances on it. However, in Arizona and some other states that are open carry, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You can go in, purchase your firearm, and as long as you pass the background check, you can carry that gun openly on your hip or over your shoulder or however you want to do it. And as long as you're not engaging in any illegal activity or trespassing, things like that, you're in the clear. In, in one regard, it seems that we do have a double standard because many people would say, well, in order to carry concealed, yes, you do need to have that safety background or you need to have taken some courses or you need to uh, show some proficiency. But then they would argue the other way saying, well, wait a minute, if I just want to go in and buy a shotgun, I shouldn't have to go and have a special card from the government that says that this person has passed a safety course in shotguns. Because if you just said, well, it's a general type of course that you can take and it's about gun safety, there would be opponents of it that would say, no, 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 wait. A shotgun is different from a rifle, and a rifle is different from a handgun. And when you look at handguns, well, you've got revolvers, you've got semi-autos, you've got big guns and small guns, and, and it would eventually get to the point to where each individual gun, you would have to have a, let's call it like a safety inspection sticker, or a safety course that you've passed and that you could present to uh, the gun shop. And if you say, well, that's kind of far-fetched and that would never really happen. Well, look at the safe list in states like California. If a gun isn't on that list, you can't get it there. However, you could probably get it in Arizona or Utah or Colorado. Let's just take a look at some of our laws and some of the things and, and let's try and see, well, are any of them any good? Or are they all just uh, feel-good stuff? And uh, let's talk about background checks a little bit. Now, most people would say that background checks are a good thing. And in general, I agree. But I, I wonder, are they really keeping the guns 
out of the hands of violent offenders? Has it made it harder for them to purchase a gun? And has it made it to the point to where they wouldn't be able to commit a certain crime because it was so difficult for them to get a gun? And I think the answer to that is no. Most criminals, and if they're career criminals, they can get it on the street. They know where to go to get the guns. Now, a lot of times, kind of speaking of criminals, we tend to think of them as people that are stupid or that, uh, you know, well, they've been caught, so how smart can they be if they've done time in prison? But the reality is most criminals that have done time in prison have lots of other crimes that they never got caught for that they committed on their journey through the uh, criminal justice system. And most of those guys, when they start becoming involved with the courts and the court systems, a lot of them start at a very young age, probably around oh, 11, 12 years old, and they go from there. And a lot of them also come from generations of people that have done uh, maybe time in prison, or if they haven't done time in prison, had had a lot of run-ins with the law and have been through the court system. So a lot of these guys know a lot of the ins and outs. And a lot of them understand that by the very nature of the beast, so to speak, the more crimes that they commit, the more likely they are to become caught at some point in the future. And a lot of people that you talk to, at least I talked to in my experience when I was a probation officer, a lot of them understood that that was just part of the job. That's part of the job description, so to speak, that eventually you're probably going to get caught. And you will probably end up doing some time, if not that, if you don't do any time, you're probably going to end up on probation. Uh, but a lot of these guys, you know, just like some of the successful business people in our world today, they network. They talk about, well, look, if you're, gonna, if you're going to choose somebody to rob, this is how you do it. You don't pick that person who looks alert. You pick the person who's got their head down, who's fumbling in their, in their uh, uh, purse or who's fumbling with their car keys and not paying attention. And that's the person you pick. You don't pick the guy that's bigger than you, that looks really fit, and that looks like that he's very aware of, what's, of what is uh, going on in their surroundings. And you don't pick the lady to rob who, again, is alert and looking around, maybe has her keys in her hand and her hand in her purse. Because guess what? She may have a firearm in her hand, uh, and if you approach her and try to rob her, you're going to get shot. Now, I know I've kind of gone off a little bit on a tangent here, but let's, let's think about those background checks again. Now, I'm sure there's probably stories that you could find where uh, because there was a background check, a particular felon or somebody who was a, uh, involved in domestic violence and was going to get a gun and then go shoot their spouse, maybe that stopped them. Uh, but in general, I think that background checks are primarily they're a feel-good thing and they're also, unfortunately, a way for the government to keep records on us. Whether the government has those records in their buildings or in their systems or not doesn't matter because the gun stores and the retailers that sell guns are required to keep those records for 20 years. And if that business goes, goes under and that gun store or the gun retailer goes out of business, they have to turn those records over. And I think it's to the ATF. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's who it is. So one way or another, the government has access to those records. If there's a crime, if they want to audit those records, they can do it. They can look at them. And supposedly they're not supposed to keep copies of them. But 
uh, as we saw, and I believe it was in, oh, I can't remember the state. A long time ago we talked about, uh, we did a show on, I think it was a gun rights radio network where we had one of the round tables, and this was well over a year ago, where a department was actually keeping, the police department was actually keeping electronic records. And they were supposed to not keep any records. All records were supposed to be destroyed after, I think it was maybe a 24 or 72 hour period. And the way that they were getting around it is that they were saying, well, the records that they were speaking of and talking about were records that were actual paper records. And these were electronic records. So by definition, we're not doing anything illegal and we're not going against policy. We're not breaking any laws by keeping these in the computer. Of course, it was later ruled that, yes, you were going against policy and you were violating um, the policy, or the, I don't, can't remember if it was a law or not, but basically the rule that says that you have to, that these records have to be destroyed. Subsequently, they were destroyed, but who knows if, there's a, if there was a backup copies out there. Uh, you know, in, in today's modern age and with our modern technology, keeping information and storing of information is not very hard at all. You can have on a uh, thing the size of a pen knife 32 gigabytes of information. Well, that's especially for text files, that is a lot of information that you can have on something that is about two and a half inches long. Let's go back and let's talk a little bit more about the one gun a month laws. Do those really do anything? And my answer to that is no. Uh, all they do again is is they limit the uh, law-abiding person, but it does nothing to stop the criminal. It does nothing to stop that person who knows where to go to buy a gun on the street to uh, prevent that person from then going out and using that gun in a crime. So again, we see over and over again that the majority of these laws don't really affect the criminals. However, they do have an effect on us as law-abiding citizens. And if we apply some of the same philosophies and standards and rules and regulations to other things such as cars or computers, the vast majority of the public would not stand for the same amount of, of scrutiny and the same amount of restrictions to be placed on cars or to be placed on things like computers. Now, let's look at cars, for example. In order to drive a car legally, in the United States, you have to have a driver's license. You also have to, your vehicle has to have a VIN number or a serial number. You have to have a license plate. You have to have a tag on that license plate that says that it's current. Also, the tags and the sticker has to be from the state with which you reside. And also, in many states, you're required to have insurance in order to be able to drive legally. Now, having all those regulations and all those restrictions, does that do anything to stop someone from using that car in the commission or furtherance of a crime? And the answer, of course, is no. And if we ask ourselves, what is the number one thing that is used in the commission of a crime? That answer isn't going to be a firearm. It's not going to be a screwdriver. It's not going to be a baseball bat. It's going to be a car. Yet people aren't out there screaming and yelling that cars should be restricted, that you should not be able to own more than one car, and that your car has to remain in the state where you live. 
that you can't drive your car across state lines. And again, if we put the same restrictions on cars and the same scrutiny on cars that we do on firearms, people would be up in arms. And you can make the same argument for computers. You wouldn't say to someone who wanted to buy a computer that you need to go and get journalism training because the computer is going to enable you to exercise a form of your First Amendment rights, your freedom of speech. And by the same token, you wouldn't say, well, you know what, you can have that computer, but unless you get a special license and some special training, you're not going to be allowed to access the Internet. And again, so if you applied those same standards uh, to computers as to guns, people would object and be up in arms and say, you can't do that to me, you can't restrict me. People make the argument, well, guns are way more dangerous and are the cause of way more crimes than computers would be. People use guns way more than they use computers. Well, I would beg to differ. I, I think that if you really looked at all the crimes that are committed, you would see that a lot more are done using a computer. There are tons of money scams out there, tons of money laundering things. Computers are used for identity theft. They're used to uh, blackmail people. They're used, in some cases, uh, for solicitation of prostitution. They're used uh, to further and distribute child pornography. And the list just goes on and on. However, there is no outcry for... Uh, new laws and new restrictions to be placed on computers and computer sales and computer stores can't be within so many feet of a school, that type of thing. Now having said all that, I do believe that there are some good gun laws on the books. The problem is we don't really enforce the good gun laws. And because we don't enforce them, the solution when a problem comes up isn't to say, oh, well, we already have this law, but we never did anything with it, so let's make these 10 new laws and make it more restrictive. The laws that I feel that are on the books that are good are the laws that state that if you're a convicted felon, if you are a violent offender, if you have uh, a history of domestic violence or, or mental instability, that you're not going to be allowed to have a gun. And those I think are good and those I think need to be enforced. Uh, we need to have more laws that state, look, if you use a gun in the commission of a crime, then you're going to be harshly and severely punished. You're going to do a lot of extra time in prison. Uh, and that will send the message out. Unfortunately, we as a country don't do that. We don't even do that with somebody who's convicted of drunk driving. You have people that have 12, 13, 14 DWIs and nothing happens to them. If you were to say, okay, your first drunk driving charge, you do 90 days in jail, and if you get a second one, you're going to do four years in prison. And I guarantee you that will make people rethink the decision to drink and drive. And it wouldn't be just because the laws would be on the books. It would have to be because, number one, the laws were on the books, and number two, that if you're convicted of that second time, there is no plea bargaining. It will be a mandatory four years in prison. And people would then say, well, you know what, I'm not going to do that because the risk is too great. I'll just make sure to call a cab or uh, I'll get a, we'll have a designated driver that night. But I'm not going to risk four years in prison because I want to have a beer and then drive home. And some people would, I guess. 
and those people would end up in jail and eventually the message would get out and it would become part of the culture if you drink and drive you're going to end up spending four years in prison as a society we have gotten so far away from taking responsibility for our actions that when you see somebody who actually does who wants to uh, do the right thing and says you know what if i if i mess up i'll own up to it that guy is the exception rather than the rule Everybody wants something done for them. Everybody wants to have uh, you know, their cake and eat it too. And unfortunately, that's not the way the real world works. And the people that don't understand that are the people that you hear that are chronic complainers and chronic whiners. Now speaking of chronic whiners and complainers, this is one of my things that gets me the most uh, is when I hear people who say, and let me, before I get started, I get real fired up with this stuff. And if this offends somebody who's in this situation, I don't care. You don't like what I got to say on this subject, don't listen to the show anymore. Unsubscribe. Now this goes to one of the things that I believe in and I believe in strongly. And, and if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you know that I believe in taking responsibility for your actions. Now, I've seen on forums, and I've actually heard on some other shows that I listen to, somebody will say, gee, when I was 18 or 19 or 20 or however old I was, I made a mistake, and I got caught and was smoking weed, and now I've got a felony conviction, and what about me? I want to own a gun now, and it's been 10 years or 20 years, and what about me? Where's my gun? How come I don't get a gun? Boo-hoo-hoo, poor me. Well, guess what? There, there may be a way for you to get the gun, to, to get your right to own a gun back. Or there may not be. You may not be able to own a gun ever again in your life. So that's the consequence for your action. So grow a pair and accept the responsibility for what you did. Whether you believe that marijuana or that little snoot of cocaine that you had or that little tiny bit of ecstasy, or that tiny bit of meth that you had, well, that was just a mistake. Guess what, genius? You knew that it was illegal at the time for you to do that. What, since second grade we've been told drugs are illegal? And you're just now kind of figuring that out? Oh, well, maybe that was a mistake. Sometimes the things that we do today reach out and bite us in the ass tomorrow. And that's what you have to deal with. You may or you may not be able to hire a lawyer and get your rights restored. If it's important to you, you'll do it. But stop bitching about it. Stop whining about it. Grow a pair, be a man, and accept your responsibility for your actions. I am so sick and tired of hearing people whine and never doing anything about it. They just love to bitch and moan and cry. Where's my special treatment? How come I'm not put up on a pedestal? God damn, people are so fucking aggravating sometimes. And it goes beyond even that. I mean, it's the same thing with what Eric is trying to do with the 6%. He practically has to beg and bribe people to get involved, to write their congressmen, to protect their rights. I, I just can't believe how lazy people are. People just want everything handed to them on a silver platter. I just want to sit here in my lazy boy chair, sit on my ass, get fatter, and have everything brought to me. You know, if you want something changed, if you want to make a difference in this world, 
you got to do something. You got to get up. You got to be willing to be put on a list. You got to be willing to be noticed. You got to be willing to risk something or you're going to get nothing. Or you're going to get stuff taken away. You're going to lose things. Well, I I think I'm going to stop talking now for a little bit. And uh, we're going to go to a musical break.
okay, well, I got that out of my system. Now, on a different note, I want to talk to you guys about some of the other podcasts that I listen to. And, of course, there's the ones that are on the Gun Rights Radio Network. There's Gun Dudes. Uh, there's my buddy Eric Shelton over at Handgun Podcast. There's Mick McCart. There's uh, Ken with Urban Shooter. There's Pro Arms. There's uh, Gun Rights News, Gun Rights Advocates when Mark can put one out. Doc Wesson with uh, Gun Nation. Daniel just recently put out an episode of the Gunfighter Cast. And uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, let's think. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, yeah, there's Alex over at the uh, Practical Defense Podcast. Uh, if you're not listening to any one of these shows, you guys need to give them a listen. Uh, you can learn a lot on their shows. In the podcast community, there's, of course, way more uh, different podcasts than just gun rights. There's uh, another thing that I'm interested in and that I like watching is movies. And I like pretty much all kinds of movies. I like stuff from action to sci-fi to horror, uh, good comedies and dramas. About The only thing that I don't uh, really get into too much is like the, um, what do they call them, the... Well, there's the chick flicks, and then there's the romantic comedies and stuff like that. I don't really dig those too much. I also like westerns a lot. I really like westerns. Um, but as far as getting back to talking about other podcasts, there's a bunch of them out there that I listen to that are movie-related. And one that I really like that deals primarily with horror is a podcast called The Cadaver Lab. And you can find them on iTunes. Um, if you like podcasts about movies... Uh, you can go over there. I'd say give those guys a listen. The hosts are Mike and Sam, and they're a couple of really nice guys. Their humor is, uh, it's an adult humor. It's really not a show for kids. It's basically just for adults. Um, but it's a good show, and they, they talk a lot about different horror movies, and they get into them, and uh, they go beyond just the surface of them, and they have a lot of good, intelligent things to say. Um, so, and again, one of the reasons that I've been kind of reaching out to some of the other podcasters that do different type of podcasts is you'll be surprised at how many of them actually have the same values and core beliefs that we do, especially when it comes to the Second Amendment. Now, some of them may not be necessarily gun owners, but they do believe in the Second Amendment um, and they have an interest in firearms. And they what they don't have an interest in, though, is limiting rights, uh, whether that be uh, rights concerning free speech or rights concerning firearms. Uh, a lot of the guys that I listen to, um, you can tell that they are, are decent, nice people, uh, but who also enjoy their hobby, which is podcasting, and that may be about movies, it may be about tech stuff. I know uh, Mark listens to a bunch of different tech podcasts. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to give a plug to the guys over at uh, Cadaver Lab. And again, if you go to cadaverlab.com uh, or you can go to iTunes and just type in uh, the Cadaver Lab podcast and it'll pop up and give those guys a listen. All right. Well, I think uh, I've blathered on enough for one show. If you want to send me some uh, hate email or some uh, just want to contact me, you can do so a couple of different ways. The first way is you can send me an email at firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Or you can drop me a line over on the forums. 
Other than that, I am going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, you guys out there, stay safe and stay informed. And remember, if you want things to change, you got to do something. The time for sitting in the sidelines, the time for being a spectator, those times are gone. They're over, and they're not ever going to come back. So if you want to keep your rights, if you want to be able to hand down your firearms to your children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, whoever, now's the time to act. Take care and stay safe. All music provided courtesy of Podsafe Music Network. Initiating shutdown sequence.